Hello, fans. It's David and Tony from Two Dudes Talking Disney. We're here with the cursed episode. Uh, we've been having some technical difficulties bringing you this episode. We apologize. We hope to get through it today. Yes, we apologize for not sticking to our Thursday production schedule. But uh, so this is our, our, like we said, this is the cursed third episode centering on Epcot Center. Uh, a little bit. Epcot is the second of the four theme parks in Walt Disney World. It was opened October 1st, 1982. So uh, I was there for this one, Tony. And it's uh, twice the size of the Magic Kingdom at 300 acres. A little bit of fun trivia for you. The largest of the four Disney theme parks is Animal Kingdom, coming in at 580 acres. Uh, a large portion of that being taken up by the Kilimanjaro Safari attraction. It's uh, the one of the few parks that has a, a second gate. Yes, one of the uh, few. Back in the International Gateway. And it's the sixth busiest theme park in the world, boasting 11.8 million visitors per year. For those of you good at math, you could figure out the number per day. So, uh, as Dave mentioned, Epcot is the second of the parks in uh, the Walt Disney World Resort. And Walt envisioned it as uh, their entrance to the East Coast uh, back in the 50s when Disneyland opened. 75% uh, of the population was east of the Rockies and they decided that they needed to uh, uh, get out to the East Coast. So Walt scouted some areas, and eventually they settled on Florida. Now, Walt's vision for Florida was not the Walt Disney World Resort we have today. Walt really envisioned it as Epcot um, in a promotional video that was made in the mid-60s, um, which we'll post it up later on our uh, Facebook page. Walt uh, had mentioned an experimental prototype community of tomorrow, which is where the Epcot acronym comes from. And this community was not going to be a theme park, but it was going to be a living, working community um, with a business and commercial zone in the center um, and partnered with many of the leading manufacturers and businesses of the day where there would be all sorts of cutting-edge technology. Uh, surrounding that business area would be uh, community buildings with schools and recreation complexes. And then on the outer ring uh, was going to be residential areas. Uh, Walt envisioned this area to have uh, 20,000 residents and employees and um, none of there would be no roads. All the roads would be underground and above ground. In order to get around Epcot, uh, they were going to utilize monorails and uh, people movers, uh, which we now know as the Tomorrowland Transit Authority. So, um, uh, in order to get financing, Walt did agree to put a small theme park in one corner of the Epcot area. This would eventually become uh, the Magic Kingdom, um, and and that was just to appease uh, the financiers. Um, you know, my, my personal feeling is that Walt, had Walt seen this through, it probably would have failed. Uh, Dave, we've seen over the years, you know, something like Tomorrowland that's supposed to be a vision of the future. You know, the, the minute you envision the future, the, the present catches up pretty quickly. So, you know, all this cutting-edge technology probably would have worked initially, but then, you know, faded pretty quickly. Yeah, one, one of the problems that they're actually having with Epcot, especially in the innovations section, is that the technology is moving so fast that by the time they design and build an attraction based on technology, the technology is obsolete. Exactly. Um, now, a little another bit of trivia. Uh, the model, which you can see in the film, uh, still exists uh, to this day. It is now in the Magic Kingdom. And Dave, do you know where that is? Uh, I believe it is in the Tomorrowland Transit Authority attraction, formerly the Wedway People Mover. And you are correct. So, uh, as Dave mentioned, uh, we're going to talk about Epcot, and Epcot as it is today. That was a little bit of the history. And uh, there are two sections to Epcot, uh, Future World and the World Showcase. And I'll let Dave uh, pick up a little bit about Future World. Thanks, Tom. 
Uh, Future World is a variety of pavilions that explore innovative aspects and applications, including technology and science. Uh, it's Park's Icon is located in Future World, which is Spaceship Earth. It's the world's largest geosphere. It also has the most sophisticated set of gutters of any building in the world. That's so. Uh, one of the problems that Imagineers saw was when it rained, the water running off the globe, if you will, would uh, soak the, the people underneath. So they actually had to design a sophisticated series of gutters for it. Uh, Future World originally, if you remember when it first opened, it was it was broke up by uh, the parks. Each of the attractions had their own like circular logo, and uh, you can still see some of them. They sell them now on T-shirts and pins as as kind of like mementos. Retro, of, yeah, retro yesteryear, but. Um, Various lands and pavilions that are there now, like we said, we talked about the Parks Icon, which is Spaceship Earth. Well, it's a great attraction. It's a slow, dark ride, one of the Disney dark rides, if you will. Um, one thing we can tell you about that, and I, I know Tony agrees with me on this, that attraction is always best later in the day. As you can imagine, when everyone comes in the front gate, it is the first attraction you see. So everyone stops at it, and the line gets real long. And there is a bit of uniqueness to uh, Epcot in that the park does not open fully uh, at rope drop. Uh, the front part, um, Future World, is usually open from 9 to 11, and then at 11 a.m., uh, the World Showcase opens up. Now, there has been a slight change in that schedule due to the arrival of uh, Princess Anna and Elsa. Actually, Princess Elsa and Anna. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that as we, we start to talk about the countries in World Showcase. Yeah, so uh, basically we'll, we'll run through the list, I guess, Tone, of some of the attractions. Uh, we'll... we'll... You know, over the years, Epcot has become a little stagnant. They've tried updating some some attractions. Some are, you know, there's rumors. So we'll start off with, uh, we talked about Spaceship Earth. And that's actually, while you were talking about changes, it, it's also the only park that has gone through four name changes. Yes, it has. It, uh, it was originally known as Epcot Center, and then was known as Epcot 94, Epcot 95, and then after that, they've just decided to stick with, with Epcot. With Epcot. So I, I still refer to it as Epcot Center. Actually. As you did at the is, beginning yes, of the yes. show, so, so know, we might uh, confuse some people. Yes, we're sorry. You know, it's rough, too, especially, you know, for Tony and I, who have gone for so many years, and the the rides are no longer the same name, or they change things, and you refer to them. You know, my, my mother still refers to downtown Disney, excuse me, Disney Springs, as the village. So, uh, you know, it is tough. You have to almost speak the language, if you will, uh, of, a, of a Disney person. We should make a book, though. We should do like a translate, English to Disney. Yeah. Uh, I think that's been done. So, oh, darn it. So uh, we talked about Spaceship Earth. Now, Future World, folks, is divided into two sections. It's Future World East and Future World West. For those of you who are not uh, Magellan or a famous explorer, we would most normal people call it Future World Left and Future World Right. So Future World East, which would be Future World Left, and uh, for those of you who know it's if you're looking from the golf ball, you're, you know, or Spaceship Earth, towards your left. Some of the attractions there, Ellen's Universe of Energy. Uh, rumor alert is that it's about to be replaced with a Guardians of the Galaxy attraction. Tone, how do you feel about them bringing them into the... I think it's pretty good. Um, you know, uh, as we mentioned, the park gets kind of stagnant. Uh, Universe of Energy is a great ride if it's a hot day and you want to sit down for 30 minutes, but it's not the most, uh, you know, most exciting ride. It's a nice attraction about fossil fuels. Um, but there's nothing more exciting than fossil fuels. No, there's the not. Park. There's not. Although it is presented by uh, Bill Nye and Ellen DeGeneres, uh, with a little bit of Alex Trebek in there. So you've got some major players. It's just you know it's 15, 20 years old now, and it's it's time to move on. Yes, definitely. 
And then uh, moving on from there, you have the Wonders of Life Pavilion. This is the mystical abandoned pavilion. Which sometimes doesn't show up on your map. Sometimes nope. it just shows up as an empty building, yeah. depending upon the time of year. And uh, what that was, Wonders of Life was originally a pavilion, uh, when, when Tony was talking earlier about the original model of Epcot, one of the the things that they did was they, they had sponsors on each pavilion. And the Epcot sponsor was by MetLife, uh, Snoopy, if you will. And um, when MetLife pulled their sponsorship, Disney kind of just closed the pavilion. And uh, it's it's one of the few areas where now the the area has been repurposed, but a lot of the queue lines for the original rides are still there. They're just covered over with curtains. They use it as a, a seasonal festival center. In the spring, they have a flower and garden festival, and in the fall, they have the food and wine festival. So that building becomes the festival center for those festivals. And that's, that's another unique aspect of Epcot is sponsorship. Um, in the Magic Kingdom, sure, you had Kodak picture spots, and Kodak was the official camera and film of, of the Magic Kingdom. But when they opened Epcot, uh, as Dave mentioned, each of the you know each each building is considered a pavilion. So pavilions were sponsored by businesses in Future World, and in the World Showcase, the pavilions were sponsored by uh, not necessarily the host country, but businesses that existed uh, in that country and and had a tie to to the host country. Yes, and there there is some lingering effects of that still today. I, I believe Test Track is still sponsored by Chevrolet, Spaceship uh, Earth, Spaceship uh, Earth by uh, uh, Hewlett Packard. Excuse me. Yeah, Hewlett Packard, right? NASA, Hewlett Packard, NASA. Yeah, well, we'll it's check a on that. It's a, yeah, we'll check on that. One. We've got exhaustive notes. We and, do. Uh, yeah, we don't have that in there. Checking our notes. So um, we talked about Universe of Energy and the Wonders of Life. Moving on, next is Mission Space. Uh, Mission Space is an exciting thrill ride with Gary Sinise, where you're being trained as an astronaut. You could choose one of two missions. Uh, it's it, the ride is a centrifuge. They have uh, a green level and an orange level. There's the, the green is less intense, orange is more intense. Uh, Tone, which one are you, a green or an orange? I'm an orange guy. Okay, as am I. And none, none of my family will go with me. The girls yep. don't enjoy same, it. Same boat I'm in. So yeah. I, I go solo. Yes, yeah. So uh, next we have Test Track. Now here's an interesting attraction. Uh, originally, oh, excuse me, originally the uh, World, World of, of Motion. Motion. I mean, that was shut down in about 1999. And... Um, about January of 1999, and the only reason I know that is because when I first took my wife for the first time to Disney World, it had just closed, and I was upset because of the unique Horizons attraction. So, uh, but after uh, about when Test Track opened, it was originally sponsored by General Motors, and uh, I, I it went through a reimagining a few years ago, Tony. And I don't know how do you, how do you feel about it? I mean, you know my opinion, and how do you feel? I'm I'm not a big fan. Uh, you know, I used to enjoy the, the true test track nature of the, of the queue and the ride itself. Uh, you were essentially, uh, you know, I kind of felt like a test track dummy. As you're going through, you saw various... It wasn't much of a stretch. No, it's not. Uh, you, you saw various aspects of, of testing that they do to test uh, materials and seat belts and, you know, how many sledgehammer hits does it take to a windshield before it breaks. You know, those were the cool things. Uh, now you're... Your queue is really about, uh, you know, the fun part is, is building, designing a car. Now, you do get to test that car on the course of the test track, and, you know, who in the car has the best of the, the four uh, vehicles. But, uh, you know, it, it feels like, uh, especially once you get to the, the up the first lift hill, uh, I feel like I'm in Tron because it's, it's just a, a big neon world. Uh, and it used to be you were, you know, going through the Belgian blocks and, and the true test track scenario. And now I just, it feels like a video game. Yes, uh, I, I, and like, you know, Tom, I agree with you 100%. Uh, they, to me, they, 
I, I, you don't get the point of the ride. Like, you right. know, like the, the old ride, yeah, you had a clear point. This ride, it's like we design a car, we throw you in this neon world, and at the end you go, oh, that car won. Right, and and the one thing that hasn't changed is is once you, uh, you know, come head on towards a collision and you're you're headed towards that wall, the doors open up, uh, it's the fastest ride on property, you hit close to 65 miles an hour, and, uh, you know, you scream around that course, and that's that's still there, so it's still a fun ride. Definitely, yes, and the one, one thing I like about the test track attraction, too, is it has the single rider line. So for those of you who don't mind splitting up, it's a great way to get through that attraction without wasting a fast pass or waiting in line for a long time. All right, now see, this is a ride the family does like, so I can't go single rider. All right, and finally, in, uh, in the east side tone, we have Interventions East. Uh, there's some some breaking news when we first attempted this podcast. Uh, it's a little bit old news now, but uh, pretty much uh, they're they're kind of closing the interventions. They are there. There are three attractions in there right now: uh, Stormstruck, Some of All Fears, and Colortopia. And they've announced that Stormstruck and Some of All Fears will be closing. Excuse me, in September, which will just leave Colortopia, which is all about the you know the world of color. It's sponsored by Glidden Paint. And uh, no matter how you color it, you just color me bored. Yeah, uh, you it's, know, it's uh, not a. It's about as exciting as watching paint dry. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, that's it for the the east side. Let's uh, let's go west, if you will. Starting uh, in the front of the park again, you have the seas and Nemo with friends, and Turtle Talk with Crush, two great attractions. Uh, one of my favorite uh, things to do in Disney World is there's there are tours, as you know, most of the special tours of different places is actually to scuba dive in the big fish tank. Um, I've done it several times. If you're a, suit of, a certified scuba diver, you're allowed to do it. it. It's an excellent tour. I think it's probably to its shows the efficiency of Disney on the tour because they have a time frame. They stick to it. They get you in and out on time. But one of the unique aspects of this tour is that you get to kind of be part of the attraction. You know, when you're in the tank swimming around, the kids are banging on the window because they want to see you and wave to you. So it is one of the, the few uh, ways that you can get yourself in an attraction in Disney World. As Disney says, to be on stage as part of the show. Yes, and we all know I could put on a heck of a show. You can. So one other uh, aspect of that pavilion that I like is the Coral Reef Restaurant. Uh, that's in there too, folks. That's a, an excellent restaurant uh, off to the side of the main attraction. Now back back to the tank, though. You're a pretty big guy. Yes. And yes. there's a lot of room in that there's tank. There's a lot of room in that tank, Tony. How, how much room is in that tank? Um, Actually, you could dunk the golf ball. You could dunk Spaceship Earth in the tank and still have enough room to fit a Disney bus around the outside. So it is the second largest saltwater tank in the world. Do you know what the first largest saltwater the, tank is? Yeah, I do, Tony. It's actually at the aquarium in Atlanta. Oh, good man. Yes, yes. So uh, next is uh, one of Tony's favorite places in Disney, which is... The Land Pavilion, there they have two attractions, Soaring with the Land and the ever-popular Living with the Land. Yeah, Living with the Land, great attraction and partnership once again with NASA. Uh, it's all about farming. Uh, you might not think that farming's exciting, but uh, they really get into different farming techniques uh, that they're utilizing across the globe, especially in areas that don't have traditional uh, soil farming. Um, and they even utilize aspects of farming that you know would need to be utilized in a, in a low gravity or, or no gravity atmosphere so there's some hydroponics there's some uh, open root systems there there are uh, like dense farming where they they pack a lot of stuff and uh, there's interconnectivity between what's being farmed and you know certain certain crops help other crops uh, crop rotation and whatnot there's even a section on fish farming uh, where you can see tilapia uh, shrimp and American alligators, 
although uh, due to recent events uh, that have occurred down in Florida, the, it's well, I don't know if it's rumored or true, uh, but the alligators uh, are going to be removed from that section. Yes, they are. It's, uh, I enjoyed it from the few spots you could see alligators uh, in the, in the in the park. But, purposeful, uh, yes, alligators. purposely see alligators. Uh, uh, the other attraction uh, in the pavilion is uh, Soren. Now, Soren Around the World, which was recently reimagined back in June, they opened up. So it's a new film, digital projection, and instead of just Soren over various points in America, you're you're now going around the world. Uh, it still ends in Disneyland, but uh, you're seeing sites like the Great Barrier Reef, the Plains of Africa, the Great Wall of China. So it's, uh, it's supposed to be a new experience. I personally haven't seen it yet. I, I hope to see it in October. Uh, when I stopped down there as part of my uh, Halloween cruise out of New York City. Yeah, Tona, it's, uh, I, I enjoy the soaring uh, attraction a lot. It's actually a, it's a pretty simple ride, but they do a great job with the effects. It is. Designed by a guy uh, working with his erector set over yes. Thanksgiving yeah. uh, holiday once. Um, now, Dave mentioned the behind-the-scenes tour where he gets to scuba dive. One of my favorite behind-the-scenes tours is actually called Behind the Seeds, uh, which is a little play on words because you actually get to go behind the scenes in living with the land and learn a little bit more about farming. Um, and they teach you about hydroponics. They actually give you some information on how to how to build uh, a hydroponic uh, like herb farm. Uh, you also get to see and taste some of the fruits that are back there. As a matter of fact, most of the fruits and vegetables that are served uh, in Epcot are grown in the living with the land section. So they're on site as well as many of the fish. Uh, that are served uh, are are actually grown in the fish farm. A lot of tilapia. Uh, so that's that tour. Uh, the twenty dollars. Uh, what is it now? August of two thousand sixteen. So depending upon when you're listening to this, uh, the current prices are twenty dollars for adults, sixteen for children. You can actually sign up for it over at the desk by Soren, and uh, it's a great time. It's a maybe a forty-five minute walking tour. Uh, really, really interesting look at uh, at that attraction. Yeah, Tony, it is. And then um, it brings us to what I like to call the biggest disappointment on Disney property, and that is the Journey into Imagination Pavilion. Um, or as they call it now, just Imagination! Exclamation yes, point, which was, uh, is really lack of imagination. Yeah, yeah. The the original Journey into Imagination was one of the, it was opened in 1983 and it ran until 1998, and then Disney and their infinite wisdom got the idea to reimagine the ride, and it uh, it lasted about six months before they had to reimagine the reimagining, and uh, currently. It's uh, hosting Figment and the Dreamfinder, and uh, excuse me, it used to host Figment and the Dreamfinder. Now, it's uh, paired in with the Imagination Institute, which is when they rethemed it and they moved the old Captain EO attraction out and the new Honey I Shrunk the Audience in. They kind of tried to tie it all together by having the attractions similar. Uh, again, they they brutally murdered the old Figment attraction, and it's never been the same since. There's always low. Cue lines to get in there. You can kind of walk on that ride anytime you want. And at least it was a little more cohesive when it was the Imagination Institute. Uh, in the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, you had Dr. Uh, Wayne Zielinski, Rick Moranis from the Honey, I Shrunk the movie series, uh, receiving an award, and the award was being presented by uh, Eric Idle's character, Dr. Nigel Channing, uh, who also appears in the Figment ride. So it kind of tied it all together. You were part of the Imagination Institute, and... You know, ever since they brought Captain EO back, which has once again left and has been now been replaced by the uh, Pixar Film Festival, which is a series of short animation segments that you see before the Pixar movies, there really is no imagination there. No, it's just very stale and definitely in need of an update. Uh, finally, rounding out the future world, we move to 
uh, Interventions West, which uh, is pretty much completely closed down, but uh, all that's left is a couple of meet and greets. There's uh, Baymax from Big Hero 6, which I think was a very, very popular movie, and then Joy and Sadness from Disney's Inside Out, another excellent movie. And Baymax is a Disney Visa card exclusive, is it not? Nope, nope, anyone can go. Really? Yes. Who's the Disney? Isn't there a Disney Visa? Oh, there's a Disney Visa exclusive meet and greet with Mickey uh, on the back side of the... Uh, what do they do? The character meet and greet. Oh, at the character connection. At the character yes. connection. If you go around to the back side, uh, there's an art gallery. Yes. They, they use it for yep. art gallery uh, as well as stuff during the Food and Wine Festival. But if you go around the back side, there's a special Disney Visa meet and greet. Uh, the picture's free. It's one of the few times they don't charge you for a picture. There's also uh, a Disney meet and greet over in Hollywood Studios in in the um, uh, Star Wars launch Star Wars bay, launch bay. Uh, pardon me, senior moment. Um, so, you know, two opportunities to get a free picture, that's a uh, $14, $15 value by Disney standards, uh, and it'll show up on your My Disney Experience if you're using that. Excellent, yes, Tony. And, uh, so that's it on Future World. Now, the, the only part we haven't talked about, Millennium Plaza, that's oh, the yes, center, yes, that's your... section in the center, um, which has a great store. I know Dave loves Mouse Gears. Yes, probably the Mouse Gears is probably, I would say, is the best uh, merchandise store. In the in any in one of the parks, you know, I think the only other store that rivals it is the World of Disney and Disney Springs now. But Mouse Gear is definitely, if you're looking for your souvenirs, that's a great spot to pick them up. Yeah, you've got clothes, home and garden, housewares, toys, antenna toppers, videos, you name it, they've got it. Um, so, uh, you know, now that brings us to the World Showcase, and there is a huge walkway on the way to uh, the World Showcase, and I, I know Dave gets a kick out of. Uh, telling people why that long bridge exists. Yes, and it's actually being in Florida, and uh, most of the property land on there was originally swamp water, this was a sinkhole, a natural sinkhole. And when they began construction, they came across it and realized that anything they were trying to put in there was sinking in. So they, they pretty much managed to get the bridge in, and uh, they worked around the sinkhole. Now, recently, as far, as early as, as far back, or as early, I'm not sure how you'd say it, Tom, but uh, just last year, the sinkhole actually reappeared. Recently. As recently as last year. The sinkhole reappeared and uh, collapsed some walkways and stuff near the the walkways from the Journey to Imagination Pavilion to World Showcase. So they had to close the area down, kind of refill it, and uh, and and redo it. So there is an active sinkhole there. Excellent. So uh, that gets you over to the World Showcase. Uh, once again, the World Showcase. Uh, most people, when they uh, walk towards it, you have a choice to go right or left. Dave, you go. Well, like we always say, Tony, as a Vacation Club member, we stay at the boardwalk. So um, we come in the International Gateway, and uh, so usually we'll come in and make our right and left choice from there. Not well, now. Let's let's imagine you're a common. Come on, if you're, I'm one one of the common of, you're one folk. of us. If you're the common, if I'm folk, one of the common folk, I would come in and I go, I'd say I go left. I would agree. You, you have to. You have to go to Mexico first. As do I. Yes. Um, question: You come in the International Gateway, so I'm, I'm sure you guys want to be there when the park opens at nine. Can you utilize the International Gateway at nine a.m.? Yes, you can. Though the, the Gateway is open with the hours of the park. Uh, you'll walk through England and Canada before making your way to Future World. Everything's just closed. You know, the shops aren't open. The only thing open is the little coffee hut that's in between the two countries. Excellent. That's a good a good thing to know. So, uh, as Dave mentioned, uh, you know, he goes left, I go left. Uh, we go left. Uh, the first country is Mexico. Uh, my wife is a big fan of the Margarita Hut that they uh, they had there, uh, which has been taken away. Rumor has it it'll be coming back, and uh, it's really what helps her get through. Uh, the ride in the Mexico Pavilion. Uh, and, and so what is the name of that attraction? 
Uh, I know it's not El Rio del Tiempo because that's the old ride. I continue as Dave does. I refer to it as El Rio del Tiempo, uh, which is the River of Time. Uh, now that ride has been replaced uh, with the Grand Fiesta Tour, uh, starring the three Caballeros, uh, Jose, Panchito, and Donald. Uh, a lot of people don't know, but Walt had a large uh, love for South America, uh, cruised down in South America with his wife Lily, and really wanted to bring the Disney characters down to South America, which is why the three Caballeros were created, because it kind of gave them, uh, you know, that... that South American flavor. So those characters were created specifically for South American audiences. And uh, there's a good re couple good restaurants in there, good tequila bar. Um, just don't climb the pavilion. That's it. Don't climb the pavilion. It's don't, not for don't climb the pyramid. We, yes. we know that will get you a lifetime ban. <laughs> not, not, neither of us have climbed it. Uh, Dave would probably do it before I would. Uh, and then when you leave Mexico, you get to the next country, which is Norway. Um, there's actually been a, a new building built uh, where it used to be the old uh, Viking ship, which was a play area for kids. Uh, that's now Anna and Elsa's summer house. Um, Anna and Elsa are now part of the Norway Pavilion. Uh, they have a meet and greet there. And they've reimagined uh, what used to be the Maelstrom as Frozen Ever After, which is uh, a boat ride through Frozen, uh, the world of, of uh, Arendelle. Yes. Um, Good reference there, Tom. Thank you. Uh, so, Dave, um, you know, this is really the first time characters have been moved in, in know, a permanent specifically way. Yes. in a permanent they're, way. They're, they're there, they're floating in the park. If you, you know, they usually have a spot where they stand outside. This is the first inside, you know, character invasion in World Showcase. And how do you feel about that? Because Epcot originally was supposed to be separate from, you know, the character lightheartedness of the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, I, I think it's just evolution, you know. That, that's what people are there for. I mean, you, you go to... You know, you, you make the movie Frozen, which was a mega blockbuster, and you, you market it as being, you know, Norway. you got to have the representation in Norway. Yeah, so Yeah, it's, uh, it's all about, you know, bringing the crowds in. That's it. Uh, so the other thing in Norway that you can do is it's also uh, the only other spot that you can have a princess breakfast. Uh, if you can't get into Cinderella's Royal Table, you know, advanced dining reservations open up 180 days prior to your trip if you're staying on property. Actually, not if you're staying on property. It's 180 days for everyone. Not bad. Um, and uh, if you want to dine with the princesses and you can't get into the royal table, uh, Akershus, which is the restaurant in Norway, has a great princess meal. Um, we've gone a couple times. You know, I thought Norway, I thought it was going to be a lot of smelt and a lot of, you know, small fish and seafood. But the meal, the breakfast we, we've had there was actually quite good. Uh, so that is Norway. That's the second pavilion. Now I'm going to stop there. Uh, a little earlier, I mentioned that the front of the park opens at 9, and that uh, World Showcase opens at 11. Well, because Frozen has been so popular, um, a lot of the wait times for the ride and the meet-and-greet have well exceeded well over you know, 150, 180 minutes. Um, what they did is they are now opening the Mexico Pavilion and the Norway Pavilion at 9 a.m. along with the front of the park so that guests can experience uh, Anna and Elsa uh, and get to Norway. Um, so that is our second country. And then from Norway, Dave, where do we head next? Oh, uh, we move on to China. They have a nice show there called Reflections of China. It's also uh, the only spot in the park where you can meet Mulan. That's your favorite character. Uh, and you know what we should mention? We should go back. We mentioned that characters do have meet and greets. In Mexico, you get uh, Donald, Donald in sombrero. his sombrero. Yep. And in Norway, obviously, the aforementioned Anna and Elsa. And great. So Mulan yep. in China. Mulan in China. Uh, obviously, there's two good restaurants, Nine Dragons, an excellent restaurant there. Uh, I don't think I need to tell you what the menu is if you're in China. 
But uh, Giant Pavilion, I would definitely, you know, spend some time walking through the shops in the back. Uh, what about you, Tom? Do you have any? I, I really enjoy the, the uh, gymnasts. Uh, they, they have usually the acrobat shows um, throughout the year, and they're all little kids. Uh, flexible as all get out. Uh, just a really fun half hour. Um, you know, the, I also enjoy, they have a, a display of terracotta warriors, uh, which is something that, you know, you can't see unless you're over on mainland China. Yes. Uh, moving on from there, there is... Um, come across now one of the more unique features of Epcot. If you were to fire the trivia question out at anyone, what park in the Walt Disney World Resort features a working drawbridge? Most people throw the Magic Kingdom because Cinderella's Castle is there. But as we know, that's the drawbridge over Cinderella's Castle is fake. But the only working drawbridge is actually in Epcot. And it comes between the China Pavilion and what's called the Outpost. They use the drawbridge to move the floats for illumination in and out every night. And uh, then it leads you to, like we said, the Outpost. The Outpost really representing kind of the South African uh, area, if you will, of the world. Many South and, African cultures yes, are represented there. They have a, a just really a drink spot with a little bit of, of light snacks, uh, but they also have some artists from that area. They're actually doing wood carving yes, as wood they carving sit there, which is interesting. So uh, it's not an official country, but it's on the map as the outpost. And that, that is one of the areas. There are, there are eight plots of land uh, that can be developed and have countries added. So while there are 11 right now, uh, there can be up to 19 but uh, there are no plans to expand any t- anytime soon. There's always rumors of you know, uh, always rumors other so countries who, yes. coming, um, and they just you know, there was nine when they opened. They added Morocco and Norway uh, in '84 and '88, and uh, that's it's kind of been stagnant ever since as far as growth goes. So uh, moving on next to the, to Germany is uh, Germany's an excellent spot. They have excellent grapefruit beer, some uh, pretzels, obviously. They have the caramel popcorn which left the magic kingdom from sleepy hollow and moved there so uh also they have a great restaurant there the beer garden so and no uh, attraction what character can you find there uh you can find snow white snow, snow white. white uh no no attraction though in germany germany's attractionless uh, although there is an entrance in the beer garden uh the queue and entrance for i guess it was supposed to be a log flume yes was the original design yep. uh, still is a uh, part of the beer garden so uh moving on from there tone i'll let you take over the next one sure next country is italy um italy you can find characters from pinocchio there on occasion um and uh, italy known for their food two great restaurants we've got uh, tutto italia and uh, via napoli which is a pizza restaurant it's the now, best pizza down there though great and it's real pizza yes yes it's real italian pizza uh, it's not Papa John's. It's not no, Domino's. No, it's no. not. You know, I love Disney Pizza, but it's it's as institutional as you can get, and it's created by machine. But there's just something about a pizza shaped like a Mickey head yes. that I enjoy. Yeah. Um, now I know Dave is a big fan of Tutto Gusto. Yes, yes, my wife and I. It's a. It, this is obviously pre Amelia days, but uh, for those of you traveling or wine connoisseurs or traveling, uh, you want to take a little bit of a break from the day. Just past the entrance to Truto Truto Italia Tutto Italia is uh, the wine cellar, and they have a, a nice uh, wine pairings from all over Italy, along with cheese platters and meat platters. It's very kind of quiet, very a little dark, but, you know, supposed to be in a wine cellar. It's a theming, but it's one of my wife's favorite spots. It's a great spot to cool off, take a little bit of a break of your day through Epcot, and just kind of go in and have a drink. Great, and then coming up next is, uh, this is the only pavilion that's not named after an actual country correct it's called the uh, the american adventure yes which obviously represents the united states uh the original place uh designed for the american adventure was right as you crossed the bridge coming into world showcase but the imagineers felt that that put uh, uh america to the forefront 
So they actually moved it to the center of the park, but on what was considered the back end, uh, because there was no international gateway when the park opened originally. Yes, definitely. And it's, uh, you know, the, uh, one of the things I like about it is they have the, the American Adventure. It's an animatronic history of America told by Mark Twain. Uh, in the lobby, they have the Voices of Liberty, which is a, a acapella group singing patriotic American songs. Out in front of the Pavilion Tone, they have a nice uh, musical venue. Right, a lot of artists there for the Eat to the Beat series during the International Food and Wine Festival and the Flower Power, uh, uh, I guess there's Flower Power performances during the, uh, flower, during the flower and Garden yes. Festival. And uh, my other favorite part of the American Pavilion, folks, is they have a nice local craft beer section to the right where you can sample some of Florida's local craft beers. And uh, get a funnel cake. Yes, oh yeah, funnel cake. I forgot about that. Sorry about that. Folks. Are there any characters in the... Uh, yes, you, you, you can hit it one of two ways. Occasionally they have, uh, like Mickey and the, some of the Fab Five in like a patriotic American dress, or a lot of times they just have the, the blanket characters to the left of the pavilion in like a walkway where you can just kind of catch Chippendale or Minnie in their, in their normal attire. Great. Uh, so after America, we've got uh, Japan, which is a fun country. Um, sponsored by Store Mitsukoshi, which is what you'll find in the pretty much footprint of the entire building that, that makes up uh, Japan. Uh, you can buy everything from Japanese snacks like Pocky and dried seaweed to Hello Kitty characters to kimonos and samurai swords. Uh, it's also one of the few sites on property you can try to find a pearl. Uh, to take a chance, you uh, open up uh, an oyster. And uh, a lot of times there's a pearl in there, and they throw a big celebration. They get very excited. And uh, you can have that mounted and made into a necklace or a bracelet. <laughs> and Dave, Dave is giggling at me, and I don't know why. And unfortunately, we're not, you know, we don't, we don't edit our shows. So if there's just a moment of David laughing, Sorry, yes, uh, we, yes. we apologize. I apologize, folks, you know. Uh, moving on from Japan is a rather unique pavilion in Epcot. And uh, that is the Kingdom of Morocco. So, Tone, why don't you fill us in on a little bit of the details of how that pavilion came to be and what makes it so unique? Sure. Morocco was added in 1984. It was the first of the uh, new countries. And what uh, unique, what is unique about that is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, most countries are sponsored by a business uh, that has an affiliation with the host country. However, Morocco is uh, actually sponsored by the Moroccan government. And when Morocco was built, the King of Morocco sent a bunch of artisans and craftsmen over to work with the Imagineers in building and designing the pavilion itself. Yes, uh, it has Restaurant Marrakech, good spot to get shawarma, character meet and greet, Aladdin and Jasmine, right out in front there. Uh, also, there's a small tapas restaurant on the water, which is new. Uh, it has some small tapas plates, and I am, you know... Nice little spot to sit. It's outdoors, so I would say you can't really beat the heat from there, but nice little spot if you want a quick little snack along the way. Now, we, we didn't mention any characters in Japan. It's because there aren't any. I've never seen a, no, a character no, in Japan. No. Hmm. Yeah, okay. We'll get back to you on that one, folks. So, uh, moving in from Morocco, you can parlez vous français when you come into France. Oh wait, Dave. You know what? There's there's one other interesting thing about Morocco. Hit me with it, Tom. And uh, why don't you why don't you mention it? And it's a oh yes, it's an Imagineering yes, weenie. Yes. And you you might hear us talk about weenies every now and then. Um, they're not hot dogs, uh, but they are what the Imagineers consider to be uh, special points. Um, and uh, there is a weenie if you're looking at Morocco from the Mexican pavilion. And and Dave will tell you. Yes. About so. It. 
as you're aware, you know, the, the Imagineers are constantly trying to make sure you see what you want to see, or excuse me, what they want you to see. And one of the problems they had when they built the Tower of Terror attraction in Hollywood Studios was it's visible from Epcot. Uh, and, and, you know, Disney likes that, that encompassing, you know, you're in Epcot, you shouldn't see Hollywood Studios. So one of the things they noticed was that when they were building the Tower of Terror, it would be visible if you were standing in Mexico looking across the World Showcase Lagoon behind Morocco. So the Imagineers actually designed the back of the Tower of Terror to look like it fits in with the Moroccan Pavilion. So when you get that perspective of, of there's the Moroccan Pavilion across the water, the Tower of Terror is almost the same color, almost the same shade, same architectural style. So you, it, you kind of your eyes almost put a little trick on you, and you don't realize that's actually the Tower of Terror that you're looking at. And that's that's something I hadn't known until Dave mentioned it, so I'll definitely be looking for that when I go next time. Yes. So uh, again, now we're back to France. Uh, the, I'll let you. Uh, you know, the, there's there's not much going on in the French Pavilion. There's not much. Uh, there's a film. Uh, there's two restaurants. Uh, but in the back. In the back is one of my favorite areas, and there's a small. Uh, Patisserie, which that's probably the incorrect pronunciation. I took four years of Latin. I never took France. Uh, France. I never took France. You never took France. You know the Germans no. can take France. That's you know it. they <laughs> surrender very easily. Uh, my apologies to anyone French listening. Um, I never took French, so, so you, speak, you speak Latin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, La Patisserie, which I believe is uh, French for uh, the bakery, um, but they have a great bakery back there. Awesome snacks, great pastries. Um, it, but it's kind of hidden. It's it's almost like a back alley. Um, you know, Paris has been around for a long time, so it's kind of like you're on a Parisian street. It's very, very small, uh, very crowded, but uh, a nice place to go. There's a little shop right there with it, uh, with French items. Um, now, as far as characters go, you, you do get to see Marie from the Aristocats yes. and sometimes Belle. Belle, yes, Belle from... Uh, for a little while, they did have Chef Remy from uh, Ratatouille, which was really interesting, a little animatronic rat running around Disney. But... Uh, now, uh, yeah, it's Belle. Belle has her meet and greet. It's a pretty permanent meet and greet, but it's, it's like between Japan, excuse me, Morocco and France, uh, on the left side. All right, and then after leaving France, uh, there's a little bit of a, little bit of a jog as you cross a bridge, uh, and uh, you run into uh, the International Gateway entrance. Uh, if you're walking from France across the bridge, the International Gateway is to your left. Uh, and at the International Gateway, you can walk in, as Dave mentioned, from the Boardwalk Area Resorts, um, or you can take a friendship boat over, and the friendship boats uh, uh, bring you from the Swan, the Dolphin, the Yacht Club, the Beach Club, the Boardwalk, as well as Hollywood Studios. You know, Dave mentioned Hollywood Studios uh, when he was talking about Morocco, and Hollywood Studios and Epcot are very close in proximity to each other. There's actually a walking path that will lead you to the International Gateway over there. Uh, so they are the closest two parks uh, to each other, um, and that entrance services that area. Yes, it's actually a, it's a neat little entrance. You know, when the, the Swan and Dolphin were built first, when we talk about resorts, we'll talk about the uniqueness of those resorts, but then the Yacht Club, the Beach Club came into play with the boardwalk, and there is that little entrance way off to the, the back of the park. Uh, like I said, it's staying at the boardwalk and the Beach Club a lot, it's very, very convenient. You know, I tell a lot of people if you're if you're going to Disney, one of the tips I give them is that you seriously consider staying in that Epcot Resort area, because the convenience of walking into two of the parks. Uh, like a lot of times, even when we stay at the Boardwalk, we'll take a uh, monorail over to the Magic Kingdom by walking through Epcot and boarding the monorail. Provided that Epcot's open. Correct. Yes. So um, next, you come across the United Kingdom, uh, which I believe the technical name is the United Kingdom of Great Britain, Northern Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. I believe. 
he got me on that. Yes, one. I believe that's the technical name, but um, it's a, a very light, nice pavilion. My favorite part of that pavilion is the Rosen Crown Pub. It's an authentic English pub, uh, serving some excellent beers. But I, I like it. It's an actual pub atmosphere. It's the only place in the park where you're going to find like an actual bar. You know, you have that kind of bar crowd hanging out in there, having a beer, cold hot day outside, having a nice cold beer. And of course, you can get the fish and chips. And my, my wife Cheryl, big fan of the fish big and chips. Yes. My wife is too. Yes, we actually. Uh, my wife had them recently. It was one of the first times. All the times we've been there, she'd never gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, now she's all over it. And as far as characters go, you can occasionally run into Alice as well as Mary Poppins. Yes, yes. And, uh, and again, like it's a nice little area. You take a walk through the shops. They do have a, a, a garden, kind of like a garden maze that you can walk through. And uh, there's a little hidden gazebo in back. Yep. And occasionally you'll find musical performances going on there. Uh over the years, Epcot has had various entertainment in certain pavilions, bands like Mo Rockin' and Off Kilter and a Beatles tribute band that used to play. Some of those bands are no longer there, uh, but they do try to bring in entertainment uh, in some of those pavilions. So uh, that gazebo will usually have uh, you know, a lot of the British invasion music uh, being played back there by various artists. Yes, and uh, you can still get your picture taken in a phone booth there. Yes, one of the traditional red uh, Brit- British phone booths. Yes, and uh, moving on now between... England to our next pavilion is Canada. And I, there's something I want to throw out there to everybody just to, to give you a heads up. There is a convention center, a special events center. The Millennium Center. The Millennium Center, center yes. That's located there. And you got to uh, look for it, folks, because it happens usually every couple of weeks or so. But as new characters are being trained in the Disney ways, uh, they use that as an area to allow the characters to have some of their first guest interactions. And uh, several times I've been lucky enough where you're walking by and they open the gates, and you'll find a dozen or so characters that there's nobody at. There's no photo pass photographers. There's nothing. They just give you a chance to walk through them kind of like they used to have. And uh, there's some pretty weird characters, I guess you'd say, that are, you know, you see Br'er, Rock, Br'er Fox, Br'er Rabbit, uh, Aladdin, Hercules, um, Launchpad McQuack. Some of the DuckTales characters were there last time we went through. And it's just kind of a little, uh, like, you almost come across it by accident. So if you're walking through there, just... Keep an eye on those gates. If you see them opening during the day, uh, you know, keep, pay attention to what's behind them because you might end up having a, a pretty interesting character meet and greet that you didn't plan on. But next, can, uh, Tone, we're moving on to America's Top Hat, Canada, and the Canadian Pavilion, uh, home to one of the best restaurants, I think, on Disney property. Le Cellier. Yes. And, um, I mean, I'm sure the pronunciation on that one. You were, you were nailed, yeah, you nailed that one. I believe so, it's now known as Le Cellier Steakhouse. Yes, yes. They added the steakhouse to make it sound more steaky. Uh, Canada Pavilion, beautiful gardens, beautiful scenery there. Uh, one of the things I would definitely tell you is recommend to go back, check it out. It all leads to a... It's a well, actually, the, the, you mentioned the scenery. It's a, a forced perspective look at the Rocky Mountains. Uh, they try to hit a couple geographical areas of Canada, but, of course, the Rockies do extend through the United States up into Canada. And uh, great use of forced perspective. You know, we, we talked about it in our first episode with the castle, how it makes the castle appear taller. So forced perspective is just use, utilizing... Uh, your, you know, uh, construction techniques to make your eyes play tricks on you and make things look larger than they appear. Yes. So uh, that rounds us off with Canada Tone. And we, that, uh... that pretty much brings us all the way around the World Showcase. Yes, yes. Uh, now, if you can't walk, it, it's a one-mile walk around the World Showcase, and there are two sets of friendship boats that bring you uh, across if you don't want to make the journey. Uh, the center of the lake uh, is also where Illuminations happens every evening. I can't really describe it as a fireworks show, but it's lasers, multimedia, lights, video displays, a huge pyrotechnic uh, fireball, 
Um, and there are some great viewing viewing spots for that. Dave mentioned the Rosen Crown. If you can get reservations uh, around 9 o'clock for, for the show, you can watch from there. Uh, you can also rent a boat uh, at the uh, any of the resorts around uh, Crescent Lake, which is out in the boardwalk area. And those boats will bring you over to watch illuminations. They will dock underneath the bridge over by the International Gateway between the United Kingdom and France. And it's a nice experience because you're not fighting the crowds. Um, and uh, they stock the boat with snacks. Last time I did it, I think it was around $350, so you actually uh, contact Disney's Recreation Department, and they can set you up with that. Um, so, you know, one thing we like to talk about is, you know, we're big food guys. We've mentioned restaurants, and, and Dave's a big, uh, you know, bar drink guy. Um, but uh, what's your favorite snack in Epcot? All right, Tony, I would normally just go with Dole Whip, and we'd have the argument, but uh, I actually the pretzel in Germany. I'm going to go with a nice, nice soft pretzel from Germany. Good. I'm, How uh, are you, Tom? I'm a cocky gory fan. That is uh, shaved ice over in Japan uh, with uh, fruit-flavored toppings. Kind of like a snow cone? Like a snow cone, only better. Okay. Okay. So then, uh, Tom, we've hit snack. Hit us with your counter service, your favorite counter service. Favorite counter service. Uh, I think you can't go wrong down in the Sunshine, Sunshine, Sunshine Sessions, uh, which is uh, in the land. A wide variety of food. I, I prefer they have a um, uh, they have a, a Chinese section, uh, the Mongolian beef, very good. Uh, and that uh, you know I make sure when I I have my lunch that's that's where I go. Uh, how about you? Uh, I'm gonna go with the teriyaki chicken in the Japan Pavilion. Uh, I like it back there. I like the chicken. It's a it's a good little little quiet. It's a quiet spot too. A lot of people don't realize it's there. You know, being up on the second floor or off in the back. Yeah, it's up on a hill. Yeah, uh, you have to walk through a Japanese garden, yes, uh, which yes. is nice. Uh, they've really got a lot of nice bonsai, uh, koi, um, up in Japan, and uh, that, that is a really nice little counter service restaurant. And how about uh, table service? I'm gonna go with the Garden Grill, located in the Land Pavilion. Uh, it's a it's a unique restaurant as it rotates, as you know, and um, featuring uh, Chip Dale, Pluto, and Mickey in farm apparel. They look like farmers. And it also gives you a little bit of a look into Living with the Land ride. As, it, as the rotate spins, you see some of the scenes from the restaurant. And how do, do they serve? Is that it's a service family style. Uh, traditional, you know, uh, beef, chicken, mashed potatoes, stuffing. Uh, one of my, my favorites there is they actually serve you these warm rolls with a uh, butter with honey and sea salt drizzled on it. Sounds good. My mouth is watering. Yes. Uh, my favorite uh, table service is uh, Teppanito, which is in the Japan Pavilion. It's a traditional hibachi-style cooking. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to meet, you know, the tables are eight or 10 people and sometimes it's just a fun way to meet other travelers. Uh, a number of years ago when the girls were little, we were, we were seated next to, uh, two gentlemen, uh, college age gentlemen who had some time before a concert that evening. So they decided to come to Epcot and drink around the world. So since Japan is about the midway point, should we say they were half full and, uh, fully lit up? So uh, it was quite the experience for the girls, and uh, just a, it's a fun meal. Yes, yes. Uh, so then, Tom, now we've hit the food side of it. Hit me with your favorite ride, attraction. Favorite ride. Well, you know, I, I haven't been on the revised Soren, nor have I been on Frozen ever after So I guess that. since neither have I, we'll throw an asterisk and we'll kind of delete those. Yes, we, we won't count those. Um, I will say that my, my favorite is Test Track. Um, even with Test Track 2.0, uh, you know, I still enjoy it. Like I said, it's still a rush. Once you, you go down that uh, down that little hill, the door opens, you hit sunlight because it's pretty dark inside the, the, the ride, inside the ride interior, and uh, you hit the outdoors, and you're just screaming around the corner, and uh, it's, a, it's a fun time. Okay, yes, and uh, 
On my end, I'd probably go with the Seas with Nemo. Again, I, I like being underwater. Uh, if Captain EO was still open, you know I'd choose Captain EO. But since Captain EO is gone, I'm jumping, uh, I'm jumping ship and landing in the water. Now you, you, you do have a favorite character from the yes, Captain I do. EO film. We're, we're, we're filming this in my man lair, and uh, sitting on the shelf in my man lair right next to us is uh, my Hooter stuffed animal. He was Captain EO's pilot. He's a, kind of an elephant that walked on two legs. So uh, yeah, I, I would. Captain EO was a, a big fan favorite when I was a kid. We'll have to check the uh, archives and see if we can post a picture of you with, yes, uh, with yes, Hooter. With Hooter. <laughs> uh, so that uh, that pretty much wraps up our show, and yes. all that all that remains is our uh, mailbag question. Oh yes, yes, and uh, our mailbag question comes from your volleyball nemesis, Mike Wittick, also known as Little Pigeon. So uh, Little Pigeon asks us, what if any of the special events for the Food and Wine Festival we're looking forward to? And um, Mike, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the at Trader Sam's, which is a very popular bar at the Polynesian. They're having a, on Wednesdays during the Food and Wine Festival, for $99, they will teach you how to make all the drinks at Trader Sam's. So that would be the one that I would be looking forward to the most, uh, being the, the bar guy that I guess I am. Everyone's gonna, after this episode, like, wow, David's a drunk. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's one of many special events that they have. Uh, and one of many on. talents of yours. Yes, yes, one of many that they have. So, Mike, I would definitely say if you're down there on a Wednesday, check that out. It's yeah, at, you know, uh, oh, go ahead, sorry. It's at Trader Sam's in the Polynesian. Yeah, and one, one thing to mention, uh, which we didn't get into during our talk, you, you mentioned the International Food and Wine Festival. This is the 21st year. Uh, it's uh, 62 days, which is the longest uh, time period they've had. Um, it's a bunch of chefs, international celebrities, you know, uh, uh, Epicurean uh, delights. Uh, the Chew films the live Chew from there. Films there the show, for yeah. a couple of days. And um, it's interesting in that they set up a bunch of kiosks around the park. Uh, so that you can actually utilize uh, snacks and, and, and wine pairings and drinks and liquors that you normally wouldn't get. Uh, I know, Dave, uh, you can actually use dining credits. Yes, you could. For the Food and Wine Festival, any, any of the food samplings is a snack credit, but you could also break up a counter service for three snack credits. So, you know, as my wife is not a, not a very big eater, so I end up with a lot of extra counter services, so that's one way we utilize that option. So uh, we usually don't travel during the food and wine festival. We have counter services left over. We end up coming home with like eight uh, <laughs> eight uh, Rice Krispie treat Mickey ears. Um, but the food and wine festival this year is expanding to resorts. Yes, as uh, we mentioned, so well. like, uh, with the with the Polynesian edition, they're expanding it around. Uh, one thing I am going to throw a plug out there, Tone. I am uh, running the wine and dine half marathon the first weekend in November. So uh, we will be down there for that to run that race. All right. Yeah. Which uh, you can hear more about in my special One Dude Talking Disney mini-podcast. Which will come shortly. I yes. know Dave's yeah. recorded it. Uh, he recorded it after we recorded this episode for the third time. This is our fourth attempt at getting this out, so we hope you guys are, are listening to it. Stay tuned next episode for our exciting look at the Hollywood, Hollywood Studios. Studios. Uh, before we go, I just want to give a shout-out to Chris P., a uh, loyal listener, co-worker, a friend, uh, taking some input from him on the show. Our technical and, advisor, kind of? No, actually, Craig. Craig oh, is Craig our is our technical advisor. advisor. All right. Thank uh, you, Craig. Chris listens as well and has made some comments, and we, we like it. Uh, we also want you to continue to uh, give us your input on our Facebook page. Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what you don't like. Uh, you know, We want to hear both sides. We also want your trivia questions. Uh, and if you guys have any questions in general, just put them out there. Uh, you know, We do this show. Not to listen to ourselves talk, but for you guys to listen to us talk. Um, we enjoy Disney. We hope you do, too. Uh, Dave, you have anything to add? That's it for now. So, All right. Uh, so uh, I'm Tony. I'm David. And, and we're, we're Two, two dudes, dudes Talking Disney. Disney.